And I saw medicine just deteriorate before my eyes from a wonderful, noble profession to, uh, sadly, a bunch of hacks who are sort of following guidelines, clicking boxes and writing prescriptions. And the problem is that the authorities take this structure and then they use it to tyrannize doctors and force them to practice a certain way. And it, it gives authority to these guideline committees, these panels, to define what the truth is. And that's really what we're living through right now. We have this kid of 10 or 11 or nine can decide for their entire life what they want to be as gender is so far beyond the pale that medicine truly has fallen down. And I blame doctors for not standing up and just saying no. Carbon 60 or C60 first gained notoriety back in 2012 from a study that increased the lifespan of rats by a whopping 90%. Since that breakthrough study, scientists have conducted thousands of studies showing C60 not only has a very real potential exciting lifespan, but it also has been shown to be better than any other substance ever studied to reduce inflammation, eliminate free radicals, provide powerful antioxidants, and more. After the famous rat study, scientists at Live Longer Labs realized a human, not industrial, formula needed to be made. That's when they set out to be the first lab in the world to focus on what is best for human consumption of C60. This led Live Longer Labs to pioneer a high-quality, 99.9% .9 pure C60 refined without solvents in oils that work best for humans, and that is black seed oil. Look it up yourself. Black seed oil has been known as the universal healer for millennia, and more modern studies confirmed its benefits as a potent antioxidant and for anti-inflammation. Simply, it's not like other oils. It's better. To try this amazing product, go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Remember, members of Ebeneer save 10%, and all listeners can save 5% using the coupon found at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Dr. Richard Ammerling coming to the program. He's the past president of the organization American Surgeons and Doctors, and he also is still on that board, but he formed a wellness company with Dr. McKella and various other doctors, and they are the ones that are doing the online uh, work, helping people who've had jab injuries, helping people through all this stuff, because there's nobody else doing it, and they are, and I'm so glad that he's coming on the program. We are going to talk about the transgender agenda. He's That is really what he wanted to talk about, because he sees that as an abuse against children, and we're going to really dive into it, but we also dive into the fall from grace of the whole medical establishment and what is going on there. And it's something that I've been very frustrated about too, is how doctors are put up on these pedestals and they don't know anything. And they are knowingly going against common sense. You know, I have a science background. I can read these studies. And when I see just absurd numbers, I know the numbers, I can see the numbers in this and, and they're just pushing lies and misinformation, or they don't understand, they don't know how to even read it. They're just repeating what they're told. It drives me insane. And so we're going to talk about that and how that is just everywhere and how it is the media's um, repeating it. And it's awful, but we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about some of the positive things at the end too, and how we can you can make a difference, and 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 how the action 
people getting up, doing things and creating something new because these institutions and everything is collapsing. I mean, we're seeing it. We have to create something new that's pro-human, that's better for our children and so that we leave something better for the next generation. So I'm so glad he's here. I was mistaken when I first started talking to him. I thought he had his doctorate, a medical doctor in psychology, but he's not. He's a medical doctor and he's been a surgeon with kidneys and all. He's going to explain it. And so I just wanted you to know that. The other thing is I want to remind you to go to sarahwestall.com and check out my articles, check out my Substack, sarahwestall.substack.com. I've been writing articles. I just wrote an article on the economy. I really looked at the numbers because there was some information going out that wasn't quite accurate. I I think the analysis was accurate, but the numbers weren't accurate. And so I went and dove into all the the failed banks, all the assets, all that stuff and figured out what was really going on there. And it is not pretty. And, you know, and we are in a serious financial situation, but I wanted to know the exact uh, numbers of that. I don't know, by the time you see this, it probably was last week now. But the article that I wrote was how the current financial situation is eclipsing all of 2008 crisis. And I, and I make an argument for that. And you can see based on that. And there's also a report that was put out by uh, a collaboration of Northwestern, you know, one of the best business schools in the country and, and Stanford and uh, I think Columbia. And they put an article together saying that 200 more banks are at risk of failing if the interest rates persist and that people who are uninsured pull their assets out of the banks. Because if you're not insured, the FDIC isn't going to assure you people are pulling their assets out. So that combination is killing banks everywhere. So you should read that article. Again, it's at sarahwessell.com and sign up for my newsletter and support my affiliates at how I keep this show going. And let's get into this really good conversation with Dr. Richard Ammerling. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the program. It's so great to be with you, Sarah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've been following you for years. Well, thank you. I, I love that. I love hearing that. You know, as I as I was saying before the show started, I've really <laughs> been brutalized and unpersoned in America. And I suppose that's part of what we're fighting is that people who are telling different narratives are being silenced and we're seeing the symptoms of that with this transgender stuff and with so many what happened with COVID we're seeing the symptoms of people like me being silenced and so I really wanted to talk to you today because you have an extensive background in psych I mean you're a doctor of psychology and you've been trained in different things can you talk a little bit about your background and then I want to dive right into some of these issues that we're dealing with well, I'm, I'm actually a doctor of medicine and a specialist in internal medicine and nephrology. So oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got it wrong. <laughs> Being the, the study, uh, yeah, I have been dealing with kidney disease patients for my most of my career. Um, but of course, there's a lot of psychology in medicine, as we all That's know. That's right. Dave Janda, I'd call him once in a while and ask his opinion, and based on 30 years of dealing with people so much of medicine and psychology, right? Yeah, no, I, I like Dave a lot. He's a good guy and I've, I've seen him on your show. He always uh, very interesting to uh, listen to what he has to say. Yeah, no, so I've been doing medicine for a long time now, or 40 years really. Uh, I had a classical medical education back in the late seventies and early eighties at the Catholic University of Louvain in Belgium. So I had tremendous science uh, grounding 
which has served me well. And when I came back to the States to practice, I had an incredible clinical experience during my internship, residency years, and fellowship. So I, I've got a lot of years of training and practice and experience under the belt. And I've also been an observer of what's been going on in medicine. And I'm past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, which is a, an independent group of doctors that has been fighting for medical independence and medical freedom and for the patient, really, since its inception. And I'm very proud of uh, that association. Um, and I saw medicine just deteriorate before my eyes from a wonderful, noble profession to uh, That's right. sadly, a bunch of hacks who are sort of following guidelines, clicking boxes and writing prescriptions. So how did we get to this point where the medicine has been so dumbed down? Because it's almost like we talked about this a little bit offline. It, it, it's almost like they buy a certificate to, and then follow directions, and then they don't really even know what they're doing in comparison to what we think it is. Well, it, it's, uh, it's been going on for quite a while. But just to give you an idea, when I applied to medical school back in the 70s, I had a three-point two or three GPA, which was considered low because uh, most of the applicants had four O GPAs. Well, and the GPA if you're coming out of the engineering school, a three point two was in some schools, different schools pump up. But when I was in school, that was a good GPA coming out of the engineering school. But keep going. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it meant something back then because the great inflation kicked in decades later. Now the GPA yeah. doesn't mean very much. No, uh, the, the MCAT score is still useful. And just to give you an idea, I, in the science part of the MCAT back in the 70s, I was like 98th percentile. So we, we don't really see much of that anymore uh, applying to medicine. And the MCAT scores are way lower now. Uh, they're even lower for so-called diversity applicants who, who stand a much better chance of getting in. But that, so that's one way that the whole system has been dumbed down. But there has also been a de-emphasis on, on basic science. And the basic sciences uh, are crucial to being able to understand what's going on That's with the right. patient and figure out what's, you know, how to make them better. To and really instead, understand it. Yes. yes. So there's not enough time spent on that to get a, a deep understanding, in my view. Instead, they are being uh, spoon-fed the guideline approach to medicine which I've been fighting back against for many years. Th this comes from this whole cult of evidence-based medicine, which is fundamentally pseudoscientific because it, it describes a hierarchy of evidence and arbitrarily uh, puts certain types of studies, for example, like a randomized controlled trial at the top of this hierarchy. And the problem is that the authorities take this structure and then they use it to tyrannize doctors and force them to practice That's a certain right. way. And it, it gives authority to these guideline committees, these panels, to define what the truth is. And that's really what we're living through right now. We have this whole concept of misinformation and disinformation that is new. We never had this before. We had disagreements. Doctors never agreed on any, anything. We debated and argued and fought constantly. And that was, one of the fun, yep. that was one of the fun things about medicine. We, 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 had to, we had this back and forth. And that's gone. You can't step outside these narrow lines anymore, these guidelines, 
or you are going to be threatened with being fired from your job if you're working for a corporation, for a hospital, or you're going to be attacked by certification boards, or perhaps even have your license threatened. Okay, so what is the deal? Do most doctors buy into this? I know there's a growing group like, I mean, you you, you are the president of the organization that is saying, wait a minute, guys, this is not the way good medicine is done. But is there a growing group of doctors that are fighting this? Or is there pretty much the doctors buy into this? Because, I mean, it's such a dumbed down way of dealing with a science and medicine. It's, we've gone so far backwards. Well, Sadly, most buy into it. And of course, it starts in medical school. And with the, the selection process, they are not looking for independent creative thinkers. They're looking for people who can get the job done in terms of getting decent grades in college and who are going to follow the, the orders and, and, you know, march in line. It, it's not the profession it was where we had very creative, brilliant people taking care of patients. We had private practice. Now it's mostly institutional practice. Most doctors work in some sort of a corporation or, or hospital group. They don't have control over their practice. They don't have financial control. They don't have independence to do what they think is the best thing to do for patients. They are constrained into following these uh, guidelines, this cookbook formula, which is fundamentally one-size-fits-all medicine, which is prima facie harmful because not everybody fits the mold and we're all different. But well, I know when I go to a, I was going to say, I know when I go to a doctor and I ask questions, if they can't answer my questions in a logical, you know, I purposely want to see if they can think. If they can't think, I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. I mean, I give patients a list of four or five questions to ask their doctors. For example, let's say the doctor, ask the doctor, first of all, what is this, what disease are you treating with this medicine? What are my chances of serious harm from this disease, supposed, right, supposed disease, and what does this drug do to lower my chances of having a bad outcome? And not in relative terms, but in absolute terms, because this relative reduction of risk, That's right. relative risk reduction, has been so abused and misused. And many doctors are even unaware that that's what they're thinking about. That's what they're talking about. But a 30 or a 40 or 50% relative risk reduction might just be a 1% absolute risk reduction, which is clinically irrelevant. And, and that's how pharma sells drugs. And that's, by the way, how they sold the vaccines. That, okay, so the prestige that's given to the industry is part wrapped up into their ego of why they're so important. And then it shuts down their their willingness to even get out of side of that box and learn and become better right i mean arrogance is the beginning of the downfall of any person and that's like an extreme across that entire industry it is and i, I credit this evidence-based medicine cult with a lot of this because it creates this illusion that we actually know something and that we know how to do this and we know how to treat people this way it's called the the best practice right and once you have that official imprimatur on a certain practice, then your mind is kind of turned off and you stop looking for better answers. So this whole cult has discouraged creative research and creative approaches to medical problems. And this is one of the reasons why so many doctors were willing to just sit back and do nothing during the initial phase of COVID 
and fundamentally abandoned their patients who were desperate, desperate for a caring physician. And they're still desperate now with the side effects that are going on. They're desperate for somebody to help them. And, you know, for someone like me who has a science background and I can read the, I'm a numbers person and I'm looking, and so the relative risk and all that stuff is like, I'm pulling my hair out going, you guys are idiots for following this. And then you have a degree making people think that you're superior to everyone else or to someone like me who can read the numbers. And we're going, you guys are lying to these people. You're spreading this information and doing it on a platform of, I know what I'm talking about. So for me, it was so hard to watch over these years. It still is hard to watch. So for you being somebody who can critically think inside, you know, being an MD, it must be even harder. Yeah, it, it's it's very painful. And we are seeing the effects of the mass jabbing that has been going on. And it, it is horrifying. There, people are literally dying suddenly. This is a big thing. Yep. Uh, young, young athletic kids, uh, you know, no health issues at all, having heart attacks, dropping dead on, on the sport field. It is horrific. Every one of these deaths I attribute to the jab. The fact that it's not reported to me proves that they're, that's that's the reason, right? If they well, knew it proves that, something you know, more. It, yeah, it proves it's, it's that this is really bad, but keep yeah. going. And it's a cover-up. Yeah, that, and, and yes. And the press are in on it. They because why wouldn't they report vaccination status for a young kid who drops dead playing soccer? Well, because they're being told not to. You know that, well, it, and it you, points to criminal liability. I mean, this is the the cover up now is becoming worse, and now they truly are criminals. Absolutely, and these patients who are suffering from these shots have literally nowhere to turn to because. Official medicine that I've run away from now denies the existence that this is uh, of this syndrome, this post-vaccination injury syndrome. These poor people, I know they're denying it, it. And then there's I just a friend of mine um, just had the, her sister committed suicide because of the blood clots were so painful and nobody was helping her. Yeah, this is one of the things that we are very focused on at the wellness company, where we are we are offering uh, consultations with doctors who are trained in these syndromes and who know how to respond. And we have products that will help people get through it. So that's uh, our response. We're, we're trying to grow this company because- You're, you're trying to make a need, difference. Go ahead. They need caring physicians. They are not getting the care that they need. You go to a doctor now, they barely look at you, right? They're looking at their computer. The doctor-patient relationship is now the doctor-computer relationship. Doesn't that arrogance buy in? Uh, isn't that a big problem? The arrogance of I am coming down on high to treat you, and I know more than everything about you know. Instead of this this human relationship of respect, that's all gone. Yeah, you know, one of the principles of ethics that we are following in our company is humility. Doctors should be humble. Thank we you. don't yes. know everything. We, we barely know anything when you really get down to it. We barely <laughs> know anything. That's every profession. It's the more you know, you realize, oh my God, we don't know anything. Really true. Really true. Yeah. Okay, well, 
Well, this is a fascinating discussion because I know we were going to talk about the transgender deal, which we have a lot to talk about yes. there. But we really want to talk about the fall from grace of doctors. You know, in um, my state, the Minnesota, the Twin Cities, we have, I think we're leading the country in, in absurdity. I think we are in a competition with San Francisco, and I'm not kidding you. But they're all over the news now about the RF, RVS vaccine that they want to give adults because suddenly, we don't know why, RVS has really skyrocketed. And so now we have a vaccine for that. Of course. I, but, but okay, just a minute. This is what's so hard for people to get their head around is that, okay, we, we, they put the jab in. Then they did the cover-up. Not only did they cover up, now they're actually trying to push another jab that's going to weaken the immune system even more. So and is, has that vaccine even been tested or proven? I mean, is anybody even asking the questions? But all the media companies are putting it out like, we have a new vaccine. Well, did you ask the question whether it works and it's proven and safe? I don't hear any of that language. Well, you could ask that question about any of the vaccines. That's and, right. Yeah, I mean, look at um, what Aaron Siri has uncovered about the vaccine That's industry. Yes. Really amazing yep. stuff that the uh, hepatitis B vaccine was tested in maybe a couple hundred people. There were no re real randomized controlled trials. They tested, they followed them for maybe five days. It's absurd. <laughs> it's, it's not even close <laughs> to being good. I, I, it's not funny. It's just so bad it that is. it makes you, you have to laugh when it's this bad because otherwise you just want to you know, crawl up into a fetal position and hide. And so, and I won't do that. And so maybe my laugh gives me that courage, but my God, what? Okay. So we just have to keep getting this information out there, but we are under attack. I mean, I just, the transgender, I, I really think it's a psyop to destabilize the community and people yes. are buying into it just the way that they expected want us to, they want to fight because they know the, the average person are going to be like, Oh my God, this is insane. And they're using the, the and I want to talk about the transgender, how many people really are, but they're using these, the transgender, because they're very vulnerable people. They're probably getting pulverized because of the pushback and the pushback is natural and healthy. But I saw a study that 83% of the people who were transitioned regret it. I don't know if the numbers are accurate, but it's, even if they're in the ballpark, it's pretty sad because once you get all those hormone replacements and all that surgery, you feel, I'm, I'm assuming you feel like crap walking around Yeah. I'm on sure. top of not dealing with the mental situation. Right. No, th there is so much to get into there. Uh, and you're right. I'm sure many regret. We don't, I don't know the precise number. I don't know if anyone really does, but even if it's 10%, that's way too much. Uh, for some sort of a medical procedure that everybody is jumping on the bandwagon and pushing. Now, I agree. This is part of the Marxist attack on the family and the culture This and the truth. The idea that we can now redefine gender. That well, It's just insanity. It is. Something other than the biological sex you're born as is absurd on its face. Would never have been accepted uh, even a few years it ago. But, no, but well, let me ask you. Yeah. No, keep going. No, yeah, I was no, going to yeah. go ahead. Yeah, finish there, your thought. Many doctors have bought into it, or at least their their arms are being twisted into buying into it because they're afraid that they'll get be chastised or or kicked out of medical school or kicked out of their job for saying no, this is wrong, 
And I'm not going to call he a she, and I'm not going to play along with this farce. They're really afraid that they're going to get canceled. And they, they probably will be. Well, the younger generations are, are there's a decent group that don't buy into it. But a lot of the gen younger generation, because they don't have the context and they don't, because it's, didn't have good parenting a whole bunch of reasons they really are buying into this crap and you know my big thing is if they say you want to accept people for who they are well it's like aren't you who you are i can understand the mental things like being attracted to the same sex and stuff like that you could genuinely be born that way and i i believe they are but you if we want to accept you for who you are you were born a certain sex so this is abusive to them to to do this, I would think, it, it, at least you would start with getting them to accept what their physical body is. For. I mean, so what if you like the same sex? And even if you do feel masculine, I was a tomboy as a kid. I don't think I ever felt like I was a boy. But I mean, you just deal with who you are. Isn't that the healthy route? Of course. And this is child abuse. There's just no question about it. And my perspective as a physician is that the medical profession has failed again. This is profoundly unethical to treat somebody with puberty blockers, with cross-sex hormones, <laughs> to take incredible. off their functioning body parts, to castrate, sterilize, mutilate these kids. It's profoundly unethical. It's as bad as it gets, really. Well, how will they feel? I mean, not just mentally. Let's get past the mental. How will they, they, how will they feel physically? having to take hormones the rest of their lives and altering. Cause I know that when you just do simple things uh, to your body, simple changes, you don't feel that great. You know, when you have to take hormones and change who you are, you, you're just not going to feel good. I mean, how awful do these people feel? They feel awful. I'm certain. And they are going to be on the medical merry round for the rest of their years, dealing with the complications of these drugs and, and the surgery. And That's what I mean. Yeah. And, and they're never told any of this, right? They are given the opposite of informed consent. They're being pressured and coerced into going through with this radical procedure, the drugs and the surgery, uh, with no knowledge of the potential real side effects. And I think that's the basis of several lawsuits that have been brought over in the UK against the Tavistock Center, which is one of the biggest centers for the transgender. Yes. Yeah, when that's a C, you know, that's an intelligence operations. They know that MK Ultra and all those things were were studied and done at, at the Tavistock Institute. And we do know that in the country of Georgia and other countries, they actually implemented an organized PSYOP against the people, this transgender PSYOP to destabilize society, which is what is happening in a lot. Of, I mean, people are going bananas over this stuff to get us ripe for whatever they want to do next. Right. That's what scares me. What yeah. are they right? What are they conditioning us for next? Because this is what they've done in other countries. So it's not that there isn't a pattern of this behavior. They have purposely done this to destabilize societies. So what are they doing to us right now? Well, it is destabilizing. It's dividing the country and it's sterilizing larger larger numbers of people, right? They're not going to procreate. They're not ever going to be happy in a relationship with another human being in a, in a romantic, sexual way. Uh, this is the, one of the cruelest things you can do to a kid. And you're doing this to kids who have no concept 
of what the future is going to be like for them. And they're too young to make this kind of decision. That's just incredible. The, the age that they're doing this, they claim that the majority of the kids grow out of it. And they, they just, they, they do. How many, how many kids, I just know a lot of girls because I was really into sports. A lot of girls are tomboys. You sure. know, you just, you identify maybe with, but then you get with the girls and you realize that be, this behavior is also a girl behavior and this is okay. And, uh, you know, I coach sports for a long time. It's okay to be like this. But when we were growing up, I always thought that was a boy thing to be. And I'm like, I don't, why do I like all this stuff? But wait a minute, I got all these girlfriends who like it too. And this is a girl thing. This is cool. And, uh, but I had to grow and learn that over time. And I didn't think I was a boy, but I mean, I not extreme like that, but I, I'm just thinking I could have been convinced with all the, the media, everything that they're doing now. I'm wondering as a kid, if I could have been convinced of that. That's what's so frightening because yeah. I completely identify as a woman now. And as a kid, I don't know. What would I have I done? Well, Professor Paul McHugh from uh, Johns Hopkins was the leading expert in this whole area of gender dysphoria. And what he described was a very rare condition, mostly affecting young boys. And the vast majority got through it. They outgrew it by the end of adolescence. And this is what would happen to the vast majority of these kids. It's now taken on aspects of the social contagion, thanks to social media and peer, That's right. and peer pressure. And so young girls are now saying that they, they're actually boys. And this is, of course, ridiculous. And instead of telling them, look, this is just a phase you're going through, you know, relax, let's talk about it, you'll get through it. They're being uh, immediately pushed into taking this, these radical steps. There is no questioning of them. That's considered, you know, bad practice. You know, you shouldn't ever question them. This kid of 10 or 11 or 9 can decide for their entire life what they want to be as gender is so far beyond the pale that medicine truly has fallen down. And I blame doctors for not standing up and just saying no. This was the function of the medical profession back in the day. The medical profession had this obligation to defend their patients to put their interests first. That's the basis of the oath of, of Hippocrates. And they've given that up and they no longer do that. They should have just said, no, this is wrong. This is unethical. Well, isn't so much of the illness that we have mental over your years of dealing with illnesses, obviously there's physical illnesses, but I, you know, my sister's a doctor. So many of your regular patients that keep coming back over, a lot of it is mental, right? Sure. And so if you don't get, if you don't get a grip on the mental aspect of this, you can really take advantage of people and hurt a lot of people. And this is particularly true with the transgender kids. They have other disorders, particularly autism spectrum. There's very high incidence of that in this population or they've had serious abuse as children. That's the other, uh, yes. They're on different drugs, right? I mean, the drugging of kids, that's a whole topic for a whole other discussion, that everybody's on these drugs from day one almost, and of course the vaccines. So there are all these medical issues which are completely ignored. They are just ignored. The kids decide. How about the psychotic, how about the mental illnesses of the parents? I mean, these kids could be abused and then the parents might think it's cool because it's an in thing to do. I used to talk to my kids the other day about how this is kind of the in thing right now, which is really sad. It was, it's a manufactured uh, thing amongst young kids. 
But these parents, they could be mentally ill. They could be abusing their kids. They could be wanting this because it makes gives them attention. Yeah, I'm sure that exists. And I don't know enough the details to, to know whether that's true or not. I mean, there are people that work with these families and they're the ones who have that kind of information. But there's no question that they are being coerced. They're being fed this lie that if you don't transition your, agree to transition your kid, they're going to commit suicide, which is garbage. I mean, this is completely unjustified from any kind of a scientific point of view. Well, in our state, they want to go around parents. So let's say a parent is really trying to do the right thing. Their kid gets caught up in the social media BS. They, the parent's like, wait a minute. I don't, let's give our child some time here. The Minnesota is trying to make it so that the kid can transition without parent consent and have it paid for by the state. I know it's scary. Other states, I think Washington state is doing the same thing. California is creating a safe haven for kids who want to They're transition. The same year. Yeah, they can run it's away from home. Haven. Yeah. What uh, the heck is, is that? It's horrific. It is horrific. And I mean, well, what is the percentage of people, kids that really are? I mean, because you were saying there are, there really is. You know, I was talking to my niece, who's a is a psychologist, and um, she was saying when I, when this first came up, I just said she just kind of fell, and she goes. This is so sad. She goes, most of the people who really have this situation don't want this attention and that it's a small percentage and it's a serious issue. What, and she, we didn't get to the actual, what the percentage is. What is the percentage of people who really have this transgender? They feel like they're in a, a different sexual body. Tiny percentage. It's a fraction of a percent. And, and the vast Less than one? Yes. Yes. And the vast majority will go through it once they get through puberty. They'll, they'll be happy with their body. They may be gay, right? They may be with other the same sex, but they will have their body parts. They will not be sterilized. They will not have their breasts removed. I mean, watch Chloe Cole's interviews. I mean, it is truly gut-wrenching what this poor kid was pushed through and who now regrets it. And these detransitioners must be given a voice because they are the, the truth. That, that is what people need to see, that these irreversible processes, procedures, and drugs are wreak havoc, and they're extremely destructive. No doctor should do them. I feel this is totally, completely unethical. Well, let's talk about the locker room situation. Okay, I just had someone tell me that they were so proud of this guy because he wasn't afraid to be in a woman's locker room with this bat you know with the woman's bathing suit on he didn't transit he's just a man in a lot female's locker room with the woman with the bathing suit on and i'm like god that's a mental illness i mean that was my reaction i'm like what the hell and but people care about what this one person feels like i was like well what about all the women who've been raped who have to sit there in a man in a locker room where a man's like that how there are more women who are have been raped or assaulted who don't want any part of that and feel awful than how many men want their feelings. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Of course. It's like we're ignoring whole groups of people who legitimately have issues too, so that we can pander to this. This is absurdity. It is totally absurd. The invasion of women's private spaces is outrageous. The destruction of women's sports by these trans transgender men 
is outrageous. I mean, I've become a fan of Riley Gaines for speaking out. That's right. Right. Her, her depth, she was deprived of her rightful swimming honors by this guy. <laughs> so well, he was in the male swim team, right? Yeah. He just said, Oh, I want to be on the female swim team now. <laughs> it's it, like, you didn't even transit. I mean, he, he didn't even downgrade his hormone, his testosterone, or anything. He just said, oh, I'm going to go be a female swimmer. Right. Self-identified. And then the university made them do this. Yeah. My advice to the women out there, don't participate in these rigged games with these male athletes. Just say no. Shut the whole program down. Don't, don't play along. It's totally unfair. You know it's unfair. Just don't participate. And that's the only way to make it stop. It has to. They ha it has to be a group of people that just say, we're done. This is just ridiculous. We care about their mental be well-being, but this isn't how you take care of it. You're abusing all of us in favor of this. But that's why I say it's a PSYOP that's creating these, you know, an unstable society. And that, so part of this is we have to, we have to get to that aspect of it and make people aware that they're pushing an agenda to screw us up. So we have to push back and say, we will not have any part of this agenda and we want to take back our communities. Yeah, it, one of the most uh, dangerous aspects of it is that it is an assault on the truth and on objective scientific- That's right. And if you can say that a man is a woman, then you can say anything and who's to say you're wrong, right? In other words, there has to be some limits to what you can just get away with because you're saying it. You can't just assert that that man is a woman. Uh, and we have to be able to stand up and say no. And who better to do that than doctors? Doctors have lost their authority and they've lost their credibility, sadly. But in the old days, when I initially became a doctor yeah. back you know, 30 or 40 years ago, doctors would have stood up and said, what, are you kidding me? You know, no. This is not happening. Well, because they care about the well-being of the children and and yeah. anybody with a brain, you know, but there's a lot of money to be made in this. There's that clip that was oh, going yeah. around that showed how one clinic, one transition surgery can fund the clinic for the year. I know, big money, big money. The surgery, the uh, the hormones, the, the drugs, the, the lack of counseling, you know, they have them come in and show up. And then the follow-up, because they're going to have complications for their lives. Their lives. They will never be free of complications. They're, they're going to feel like crap their they entire will. life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's awful. I mean, I just know, you know, my age going, you know, my just 50. I mean, you, you feel hormonal stuff. Can can you imagine that your entire life? And it's ex to the extreme. I mean, my, this is pretty mild and I got it under control. But can you imagine? I, I just, I can't even... Like this is this their this is abuse to it the is. extreme. It is. Well, on a deeper level, it's man playing God, right? Only God can make a man or a woman. A doctor, a surgeon can't, right? Well, it, can't. it's it's us pretending that we have more skill than we have. That's for sure. <laughs> we don't have that kind of skill, and we're messing with people's spirit, and oh, we don't know the. I mean, there's so much stuff. Okay, so what do we do? I mean, how do we break, like you said, women just have to say we are not partaking. I, well, the U.S. military, I want to say the U.S. military just put out a video, a recruitment video with gay men saying what they do in their spare time. And then they have these drag queens. It's like, how does that have anything to do with the military? 
I mean, they've gone completely lost their mind. I mean, usually the recruitment videos is showing tough people being strong and and healthy and defending the country and doing all these things. Now they have gay guys as drag queens. I couldn't believe I even saw that. I saw that yesterday. I know. And look back, we've been watching this go on in slow motion. I remember the first, uh, you know, gays in the military at all was controversial. I remember when one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted to use the song in the Navy as a recruiting song for troops and, until somebody pointed out that the village people who recorded that song were all gay. <laughs> so they didn't want to use it. But you know, that it was a cool song. You can be, I see, I don't want to bash gay people. I think gay people, okay, fine, you guys are where, I don't care. I want to accept you for who you are, but this is not that. And why, no. if a woman is walking around as, I always said this, this is my thing. If a woman needs that much attention would be to dress like a drag queen and to be all that flamboyant and stuff, some, you know, like that, she's probably mentally off. So why are the guys, why can they do it? And they're not mentally off. I just don't understand that. Women don't even do that. I know. Yeah, we're glorifying mental illness in a way. And it is a psyop. It, it is designed to destroy the culture, destroy the family, drive families apart uh sterilize reduce the population there are all these agendas behind it but fundamentally from the medical point of view should never happen it's unethical it's child abuse so where how do what are what are you guys doing i know you're you're doing everything you can what are you guys doing to try to get the doctors the courage to to speak out and say hey we're not going to partake in this so we are speaking out number one standing up against this. In fact, uh, I'm still on the board of directors of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and we recently put out a statement condemning this practice. And as far as 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 I know, we're the only medical organization to have done so. (laughs) Now, I I shouldn't laugh. I'm just so I can't believe we're in this situation. In our generation growing up, I would never have thought we would be even having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It, it is, even a few years ago, it would be, I'd be hard pressed to imagine what we're facing now. And here's something that we're doing positive in the wellness company. The wellness company, as I said, we're doing telemedicine. We have a line of supplements. We're helping people deal with vaccine injury. We're trying to get people healthy, get them to reverse their diabetes and metabolic syndrome get off of their medications and just eat well and be healthy again, stay well. That's the, that's the goal. And so one of the things that we're looking into doing is offering a counseling service for kids who are troubled and who are thinking about gender issues. That is not going to push them into transitioning. We're going to talk them through it. We're going to be a voice of sanity, wisdom, reason, and caring, and we're going to get them through it. That's, and if they still feel like they want to do it when they're an adult, okay. But you got to get them to that. I don't. Is there any benefit? Okay, let's look at the other side. Let's let's do it. Okay. Is there any benefit for even a fraction of a percent of people to transition before they go through puberty? Because I've heard horror stories of. Even ones who want, like a male wanting to be a female, but their their penis wasn't large enough to create the woman parts. So it was a problem. I mean, 
So is there any benefit to doing it pre-puberty? I don't think so. There's only harm. There's only harm. Puberty is a natural biological process that is completely necessary to achieve functioning adulthood in so many ways. Your, your bones are being built, right? If you, if you castrate someone before they are, they are fully mature, you're going to dwarf, you're going to stunt their growth, literally, quite literally. You're going to- Did you stunt them mentally yes. too? I mean, it just, you stunt, you, yes. you, you just abused. I mean, you screwed them up for life oh. on so many levels that we don't even understand. We don't even oh. know. I mean, I guess this is an ongoing science experiment. I mean, it that's is. sad because these people are that sick where they would actually see this as a science experiment. It is an experiment and it's unethical. And if you don't even have to have a study on outcomes with these procedures to know that they are fundamentally wrong. And one of the main reasons is it's fundamentally wrong to block puberty. There's just no question about it. It cannot possibly be good to block puberty. And there's a rare case of precocious puberty, right? But that's it, that's it. Otherwise, let it happen. Don't interfere with puberty. It's fundamentally let it wrong. Well, and don't you think that even the people who transition, they want, I was reading a site from people who've transitioned and they want to have children. And so they help people who've transitioned have children. And one of the things they say is if you transition before puberty, it's extremely difficult, if not impossible. To, and they were actually speaking out against this, the, 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 you know, having transitions before puberty because it's almost, and they feel like it's being weaponized and all these things. They just, they're, they're horrified and they're the ones that do the transition surgeries and help people. They're the legit people that do it for the that small, small percentage. And, but they were saying that this, the, if you do it before puberty, your chances of reproducing is almost nothing. I mean, you can, we can't recover from that. And most people, even that small percentage that do that transition, want children. Yeah, and I, I doubt that many are told the grim reality before they do it, that you must assume that you're not gonna be able to have children ever. So they have to accept that. And what kid of 11 or 12 can make that kind of decision, can know at that point in their young lives that they are not gonna to wanna to have children later on? They can't. I even think young college students don't have that ability yet. You know, because they're so free and then just doing their thing. They don't think about kids yet. Hey, listen, listen, even adults, uh, you know, one of my colleagues back in New York, the urologic surgeon, his specialty was vasectomy reversal surgery. That's right. Right. And he, yes. he made a very good living doing this surgery because so many men changed their minds and they wanted to have children again. So vasectomy reversal was a big operation for him. Tough to do. I mean, it's microsurgery. He's very good at it. Uh, but And that's a perfect example because so many men think they don't want anything to do with kids when they're in their 20s and 30s. And then they get in their 40s and 50s and they're, they're like, oh my God, children are a gift. They see it completely differently. Yeah. And women getting their tubes tied. Um, that's they, the same thing. Same thing. They end up wanting to reverse thing. that and it's not always possible 
I know. That's why it's better for a man to do the surgery. than the. I mean, if you're married, at least the man can reverse it. So don't get your tubes tied. Have the man do it. And then you guys can make a decision later. But that's uh, that's them. You guys are adults. But still, <laughs> I'm like, because you don't know. I know there's a lot of doctors back. Well, there used to be. I don't know if there's any more that would tell a woman who's still in her prime um, reproductive ages that I won't do this surgery for you. If there's yeah. nothing wrong with you and you don't need it physically, I won't do it. Well, that is a, an ethical principle that we do not remove useful organs. We do not harm. It's part, part of do no harm. You don't remove a useful, healthy organ. I say to these surgeons who are doing hysterectomies and mastectomies on young girls, shame on you. Shame on That's you. That's right. That's right. I mean, how much do you need to be paid? They just don't care. I mean, I get they make a lot of money, and so they do it. It's incredible. incredible. It's yeah. incredible. Okay, so everybody needs to know about your company, the wellness company. You guys are working with great doctors. Tell us more about that. This is something that people, because I do know I've had um, uh, Jennifer Sharp on who moved, made the movie Anecdotals, and she was talking about how many people are just suffering in silence because, like you said, People aren't, the doc, the medical, medical profession aren't admitting that there's this huge tidal wave of people with jab in, injuries. And so people are suffering in silence, not getting the help. She was saying there's going to be more suicides of people just, it's a, we're in a crisis situation. And you guys are on the front lines trying to help people and through these crises. And we need, I mean, I, the whole profession needs to move to what you guys are doing instead of what we have right now. But thank God you're out there. So what are you doing and how can people reach you? Well, thank you. We are <clears throat> trying to push back. We are trying to be an alternative. We, we believe that medicine has to be rebuilt from the ground up. It is so badly injured at this point. It cannot really be salvaged in its current form. It's too much under the thumb of pharma and other industries and government to be effective again in helping people deal with their health problems. So my colleagues and I, and Dr. Heather Gessling, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Reich, these are the, uh, the, the three colleagues with whom we've put together the company with a brilliant entrepreneur from Canada, Foster Colson, who has shared this vision of creating medicine that really cared about patients as opposed to pharma, and, and huge profits and things like that. And we started this around May of last year. We're seeing patients via telemedicine. We have a line of supplements that are looking at perhaps helping people with spike protein injury, the vaccine injury. Uh, one of these products is doing quite well because it contains an, an ingredient called natokinase, which has activity, at least in vitro, against the spike protein. And we've got oh, that's good- great. You know, anecdotal evidence that it seems to help. And so we're um, educating doctors. We have a weekly seminar that I run called Medical Grand Rounds, where our team of doctors tunes in via webinar. And we have me or one of my colleagues or other colleagues that we invite to present information that they're not ever going to see in medical school. It's really the anti-pharma oh, approach to medicine. Wonderful. Putting, putting yeah. the patient first trying to get them to cure their underlying problems by healthy diet, appropriate use of supplements, and getting off toxic medications, which are being prescribed like candy by the vast majority of doctors out there. You can 
You can find us, by the way, at twc.health. That's where it all uh, happens. We have information available, articles that we've written and others have written. And sign up for a membership because we, we just introduced a membership deal where it's like a subscription-based uh, medical practice, which exists, right? These, these direct patient care yep, yep, yep. where you pay a monthly sum and it gives you unlimited visits with the doctor. And really a lot of these supplements come as part of the package. And if you get this, this subscription, you call up, you have an appointment with your doctor, you have access. And this is what I think people really need. They need to know that they're not going to face their illness alone. This was one of the cruelest, right. one of the cruelest things that happened during the early stages of COVID. Patients were told to go home and just wait until you can't breathe. This is horrific. Patient so abuse. Bad. I was horrific. just well. It was so anti. What you take care of it early. It was so obvious, and they yeah. did it anyways. That's what I don't understand. Well, that's. I do understand. And, and it's, it's like the propaganda, Nazi propaganda, where if you say a lie big enough and you repeat it over and over, people begin to believe it. And that's what we're dealing with. And it's hard to get our head around that this is actually happening, but it is. Safe and effective. The big lie, right? The big safe lie. Yeah. The, the vaccines are safe and effective. Oh no, that person who died, you know, 24 hours after getting the shot, not related. Not nothing to see here. Not related. No, nothing. No, that was nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I am just, uh, you know, I, I'm so glad that you're out there. I'm so glad that the others are out there with you. Uh, you you're doing the work. You know, it, it's so many of the doctors and I are, are out here um, talking, but they they need to do the work too. And I know I, there's only a certain limit of you guys. But thank you for doing that work. We got to recruit more to do the work because it's hard work and it's not necessarily always rewarding, is it? I mean, it's hard to have to deal with these with the bad stuff all the time. But at least you can sleep at night, right? That's how I always tell myself. At That's least right. I can sleep at night. Yeah, it's better to be doing something than just complaining. And too many people just complain. We're actually out there trying to do something that is going to be positive oh, and, help, and help patients. And we are bringing in more people. We're bringing in more doctors. We're expanding. And we have a group now in Canada. We're looking at moving over to Europe, getting a group of doctors over there. So it, it is a growing thing. And uh, doctors, if you're interested in coming over to our side, we welcome you. We welcome you. Come on over. Even if you sinned in the past, we will forgive you. Okay? Come on over and sin no more. Well, every day is a new day. Just put it behind you and let's start out. We can be better today than we were tomorrow. Correct. And it's one step in front of the other. So well said. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Sarah. Anytime. <laughs>